to Technically Speaking. Today, we are joined by Olaf Christian Dotte and Art Zarastian from Tempo. Tempo is one of the leading time tracking and planning apps that started in Iceland and is the process of growing global. And as you know, we love sharing stories of Icelandic innovation and transformation and how that's going to improve people's lives across the world. So hello, uh, Olaf, and hello, Art. Hi there, Alex. Nice to be here. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So so what we're going to start with is just explaining a little bit about Tempo and what it does. And then we can go into a little bit about your background there and then we can talk to Art. So uh, tell us a little bit about, about Tempo. Great. Yes, thank you. Uh, so Tempo is an Icelandic software company, as you mentioned. It started in 2007. Uh, it was actually a part of the Origo company at the time. You're like one uh, of our children and you've flown the nest. <laughs> yes, and we are now <laughs> taller than our parents. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but our main focus is developing tools within the Atlassian ecosystem. Uh, so think Jira, uh, Confluence, and Trello. Those are uh, some of the well-known uh, solutions that Atlassian develops. We develop a, an add-on to the Jira product project management system. Oh, okay. We, we help our customers track time and plan their resources and manage their budgets within Jira. Great. And uh, a lot of our customers use it to, for example, build their customers more accurately or to understand how long uh, does a, a project take so that you can more accurately estimate future projects. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we have over 20,000 customers all around the world. Uh, but the first, uh, originally the solution that was developed was just for internal use. Uh, but in 2009, I believe, um, we sold our first license. Fantastic. Well, we'll talk a little bit more that uh, a little bit later. And how long have you been with uh, Tempo, Olaf? A little over four years now. I started in 2016. Um, actually landed in the B2B SaaS marketing kind of by accident. Uh, I graduated in 2008 when the economy collapsed. So it took some time to find a job and I was really trying to avoid working in business. Uh, but I landed a job at a, a software company and I really fell in love with the people, the industry, the challenges that come with it. So I've been in the B2B SaaS marketing for, yeah, 12 years now. And it's its, its own little science, isn't it? SaaS marketing and customer growth within that sort of inbound generation model. Absolutely. And I think the fun thing about it is, yeah, it's the numbers, it's the science. Uh, you need to be very uh, clever and you need to be very uh, creative at the same time. And I like how the, you, this role combines uh, those two aspects. Fantastic. And then we've got Art. And Art, you are the Vice President of Technology. That's a, that's a pretty cool title. What, what is it, what is it you, you do within Tempo? Uh, you know, most of the time, I try not to get into people's way. Um, <laughs> Tempo has a lot of very talented, talented engineers, talented um, developers. And uh, mostly, it's just me learning from Tempo since I am not, um, or um, my, the bulk of my experience is not really B2B SaaS. I come from video games, and this is a learning experience for me as well. Well, to have 10 years in the gaming industry definitely says a lot about your resilience because it's a, it's a pretty full-on environment. Yeah, it's, it's a state of mind. It's, it's an approach to life, definitely. It's, it's full of sacrifices and rewards. Um, it's, it's, it's a different approach to work. Um, 
not for the faint 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 hearted like you say Olaf I know uh, Arrigo is really passionate about tempo and the origin story of where it came from so could you give us a little bit about tempo's origin story yeah, sure. I'm happy to. So I wasn't there when Tempo started, but I know the story quite well. And it's a very interesting story. It's a story about, you know, a group of people that faced a problem and things were maybe too hard for them to do in, in one system. And they figured, we'll just write a solution that solves this problem for us. What was the first problem that they had? A subsidiary of Origo was a web development company that developed websites for other companies. And they were tasked with, of course, logging their time so that the customers could know what they were being charged for. And they, this team was starting to use Jira as their project management tool. And they were being asked to track time within Jira, but then they were also being asked to track time in the invoicing system. And developers, of course, hate doing the same thing twice. So they developed a, a neat little tool that helped them that helped them track time in only one system. So they used Jira. The time tracking in Jira is not ideal. So they made that easier for themselves as well. They integrated that with the invoicing system and voila, they could very easily track time accurately and they never had complaints about the invoices again. So that's a really nice kind of story. And they thought, well, this is not only helpful for us, other people will benefit from it. And so they figured, let's see if there's a market for it as well. How did they go out? Because obviously they're doing their day jobs. Their boss is going, okay, I'll let you do this app because it makes life easier, but you've still got a day job. So what was the transition between do your day job, make your day job easier, and actually let's see whether people want to buy this? So I think there wasn't a person in the team that was really the driver and at the time wore a lot of hats, doing marketing, doing product, doing everything except developing the product itself. And I think that helps to have someone really passionate that really drives it uh, and make sure that you can focus on that as well on top of all the other things that you do. It did start as an internal tool that they only used, but Jira was growing and having kind of launching their marketplace at the same time, we did really benefit from being able to be in an ecosystem that allowed us to reach a market through that. So that made it infinitely easier. So I guess in some ways you didn't need to build a business that had a big sales and marketing function. You just need to have a widget that was on the platform. And because it was on the marketplace, people would find it. And if they liked it, they would use it. Exactly. And I think that's really good for a company that you are able to focus your attention on the solution, solving the problem, making the tool better. And you don't need to focus on, like you said, the sales and the marketing side of it. But as you grow, you can add those functions into your organization as well. What was the transition between being part of Arigo and actually now you're your own business? So I'll try to tell you as much about that process as I can, but since I wasn't there, I won't know the intimate details, unfortunately. Um, but I know that in 2015, the Tempo spun off as its own company. Uh, and I think that was a big uh, milestone for us and in, in our story. So there was a lot of buildup before that uh, to have a team within another company, and then you have to sort of kind of forge your own path, figure out your own culture while still being in the same building <laughs> as your mother company as yeah. well. And I guess at this point in 2015, you're still just in Iceland. Is that right? 
in 2014, we did buy uh, another app in the e ecosystem that was located in Montreal. And that is the beginning of our Montreal office. Okay. So we did have a small little team in Montreal at that time in 2015. Fantastic. And how have you leveraged the cloud in your growth? I think we realized very early on that the cloud should be a big focus. So we've had cloud products available for a long, long time, for many, many years. And in 2016, there was a big change at Atlassian. Uh, so they were pretty more focused on the cloud as well. And then, of course, last year they announced that by 2024, they're going to stop supporting their server products. We have followed Atlassian's journey, but we've always realized that cloud will be a very important part of our product solutions. It is different. The cloud solutions do provide you with different benefits, not in terms of features, but in how you manage the system and how quickly you can get updates and how you can manage those updates. You don't need to manage them, really. They're just there for you. Well, uh, when you're on server, you have to manually do them. Supports a, supports a much more agile development methodology, doesn't it, in, the, in, in that side of things? Exactly. Fantastic. Well, thanks for sharing the, the origin story uh, with us. I love stories like that in the sense that you've got someone's just got a problem and, and then they build something to solve that problem and, and it evolves into something that then spun out, bought by private equity and sort of it's on a whole nother journey. Yeah, me too. And just if you're intimately familiar with a problem, you will probably solve it better than someone just trying to make money. At Orico, we're really proud of Tempo and how it sort of left our umbrella and developing uh, a life of its own. Um, one of the things I, I, I noticed recently, Olaf, is that you got a, one of the best companies to work for in Iceland. Tell us a little bit about that and, and why, why you were excited about that as an organization. I think it's always great to get recognition for a job well done. It's good to know where you stand compared to other companies as well. You always want to learn from others and try to uh, achieve and be better than you were before. And I think what Tempo does really well and why we received that recognition uh, is that the key is really employee engagement. Mm -hmm. And I think having and providing a challenging but rewarding work environment and then sprinkle it with you know excellent benefits like company trips and celebrations and good snacks in the office. Mm -hmm. If you can get to the right combination of these, you get uh, an excellent work environment where people really want to, they really want to do a good job. They want to help each other out. Sure. And I think also I, from my colleagues, I think what they really appreciate most about Tempo is each other. They really right. like working with each other, really like striving hard and, and mm -hmm. helping each other out. That brings us to the, the, the main focus of the, of the podcast today is really about unlocking productivity uh, during the pandemic and linking that to, to culture, because obviously there will have been cultural cha challenges within Tempo this year, as with many organizations. So Art, you run a, a, a development team. What What's your view on the, the digital transformation workplaces have had to go through in the last year? It's definitely like you, you, you called it right, transformation. It's a big, a big change in how we work, big change in how we even... Uh, approach work, uh, change of how we spend our time, uh, productive time, uh, and spread it around, you know, across the day. Uh, definitely challenging, even for a company like Tempo, where people were a lot more um, free 
to, to you know to to work in their time um, be productive or free to choose which time to be productive in um i think my uh i would say we were not ready no matter how much um anybody says that they were they had the work from home policy etc no we were not ready for what came with uh with covid we were not um, at all ready for this sustained situation of isolation um and um separation from each other this there's all the benefits of uh, working in a company uh, what Olaf uh, just said, uh, um, you know, all these uh, benefits of working in tempo with um, the recognition, the being together, the, the perks and all these things suddenly became a lot more challenging to sustain, challenging to maintain. Yeah. Well, well, I guess the, com- the company trip was a walk around yeah. the block <laughs> and, the, uh, and the office snack. The office snacks yeah. were what you had in your cupboard, which which I think we've all become very familiar between the route between our desk and the biscuit cupboard. What are some of the biggest challenges you think businesses have faced trying to transition from a, a physical workforce in the same place to a hybrid workforce where people are working in maybe a little bit of the office and a little bit of home? Now, actually, in Iceland, especially, it seems like the, 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 the contrast wasn't as harsh because COVID was a lot more contained in Iceland. It's a, it's a more isolated community and, you know, there weren't as many lockdowns. For example, here in Montreal, we're locked down and there the government is even considering imposing curfews. So you can't even dream of going to the office even if you wanted to. So for us, there's no hybrid model in Canada. It's a straight up work from home or the police will get you model. Funny, because I think um, if you asked anybody in 2019, what would be the challenge in a situation like this, everybody would be like, oh, how do we maintain productivity with people still you know, working from home? How do we know that we are, are we gonna drop in productivity? People are not gonna work as much and all that. That is not the problem. The problem is how do we maintain culture? How do we maintain the connections? How do we maintain this feeling as working together as a group, working together as an ident, you know, a group with a certain identity, a group with a certain set of dreams and goals? That's the biggest, tough, toughest um, moment in working in uh, in a COVID environment, in the environment yeah. of today. And and uh, Olaf, uh, what challenges do you think culturally Tempo has had to overcome uh, during the last year? I think one of them is like in Iceland, like Art mentioned, uh, we didn't have as much of a lockdown and we actually got to go back to the office during the summer. You think it's going to be, what's the word? You think it's going to be like limited. It's not going to be for a long time. It's going to be a few weeks. We'll be back soon and all will go, we'll go back to normal. And realizing that you have to be more proactive and figuring out ways to be more proactive to build culture is really hard and it's really difficult to make that shift of moving a company holiday party online. Like, how do you make that work? There are certain challenges. And I think within each team, you have to be very mindful of trying to help each team to maintain their culture and their activities to get to know each other personally when you can't go into the office. But I think that shift and trying to figure out creative ways of bringing culture to the online word, the world is hard. And I think we thought we would be good at it because we were always in two offices, but we had our challenges for sure. And what were some of the best strategies that you as an organization have tried that you feel have made the biggest difference to the team? I think we've, we've been through some rough patches. I would say maybe for the 
management team to really give the rest of the company a chance to speak up and a chance to kind of come up with ideas and really listening and kind of shifting. If we say we need to have more information, we need more details, we need to talk more about the wins, then our management team actually gone ahead and done that. But it took us a while to figure that out. Like that's the second half of the year that we kind of maybe achieved that. So what you're saying is the senior leadership team created more an easier way to communicate up and down the organization rather than the traditional, the hierarchical model didn't didn't transfer well online. I just want to say, like, we we do the traditional thing, what people would expect. There are the online company meetings where everybody's there and we use Slack and we try to communicate there as well. But we have, there are more people that participate in the company meetings than before. It's not just top down. It's like from across the company, various people sharing stories and successes. So I think that's definitely a win. Some online events as well, planned by our social committee. I think we could name as well, Art, we could name the innovation days or the hackathon that we did. Even though it's online, it's possible to do that. Uh, That was a really uh, good, successful event as well. Definitely. Just to add to what Olaf was saying is... um what the structure that is working better in this environment uh, is um, more flat, even though the hierarchical structure of all the positions and roles still exists, but the communication style is a lot more democratic, if you would say. The old-fashioned, especially the North American-style structures of hierarchically just beaming more information down and just collecting in a hush-hush way the information from below and then translating it and beaming it down again, that does not work, especially in tempo, it didn't work so well. What worked was just full transparency, just open channels. And um, even like these moments where in North American culture, we have this habit and management cultures have this habit of, you know, you're in a group setting and you catch somebody who is disagreeing with your point of view. And you say, okay, cool. So I'm going to continue with what I'm saying, but we'll take this offline and we'll discuss this and then I'll digest it and I'll come back with it. That does not work. What you need to do is you just, just put aside whatever you're saying and it's fine. Yeah. Who cares about that train? And just have this conversation and with everyone. That's a big difference between the European approach and the American approach. It's it, the American approach is to them saying, that's a great question. Let's pick that up offline. Generally exactly. means your boss is going to come back to you and say, don't interrupt them again. And if you do, you'll get fired. That's not tempo, but that was that 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 was my 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 experience. So, no. where, where European is much more about oh, I don't agree with that. Let's discuss it and and not argue in a positive way. Yeah, of course. Uh, no, no. Usually, when I say you know, in the past, when I said because I am coming from a North American school of and you know the management, obviously, and um, it's usually not I'm going to come and descend on you like a hawk after for interrupting my presentation. It's more like. You know, I'm doing something here right now, but I am going to take this into account. I'll digest it. And then in later iterations, I will take that feedback into account and there will be some adaptation. But let me get through what I'm trying to say right now. No, that doesn't work. And it's okay. And I'm getting used to it. But in the beginning, it took me like it knocked me off quite a bit, which I'm actually grateful for. And from from an organizational perspective, what, what, what I found in that in the European sort of more style, which is, is it sort of that? person's question by talking through that you actually answer a lot of people's other questions as well and it saves you time in the future because you sort of go yeah yeah i remember that conversation rather than taking the point processing it and then you've got to have a whole meeting 
to recover the point that you could have just discussed when you had everyone together in the first place. Assuming exactly. you're the kind of a person who can handle and can be on his, you know, can be agile with their with their minds. It's it's it's, it's another thing. It's like there, there's, it depends on how much ego you have invested into what you're doing and uh, whether you can take this. Because a lot of times these questions that are interrupting can be can be unexpected. You're not ready to and to answer this question, and you don't want to put yourself out there saying. You know, it took me a while to kind of just say, okay, well, let's stop everything and let's just keep an open mind. And I'm going to be, okay, let's think together about this question because I have no clue. So I'm listening to you. Or what do you yeah. guys think? Like, so and it, it was yeah. just, you know, like they say, the Zen mind, beginner's mind kind of yeah. attitude of things. Um, it, it takes a bit of like, you have to put aside your personality and ego a little bit and say, well, that question absolutely caught me with my pants down. So, all right, let's yeah. talk about this. Let's put everything aside. It seems like I'm not ready for this question. So let's let's discuss this. And this it, this takes. And so, are those are those conversations happening online now? So people are questioning online, and and in the online conversations, are, are that open and frank? Oh yeah, yeah. We have them both in like a company update meeting where maybe me or the even the CEO will have an update, and then just a question will just pop in and just completely take it um, completely in a different direction. Once we had this big uh, Slack blowout where it was just the guy just opened the channel and just we we went all bare on that, and everybody was saying what they thought, what who was frustrated about, and you know we were trying to reply to it just as raw and just as open. And I think in the beginning, you know, the, the, the management was looking at it. And even me, as I was an active participant, we were looking at it, biting our nails, like, oh, what's going on? Is this the, you know, everybody's, you know, people vented all the things that were real or not real perceived frustrations and everything. And we had to open them up. We had to vent them out. And um, I think it was a good thing. Did you find that once that Gave, that conversation gained momentum. There was actually other people that started contributing and started moderating. So you have the extreme view, but then you get someone else moderates that view. So in some ways, the conversation starts to moderate itself, even though the executive team wants to sort of maybe shut it down. Yeah, no, no. Actually, it was executive didn't did, didn't want to shut it down, but they were worried that this will just completely spin out into self-destructive kind of a crap fest. Okay. Uh, but no, you're right. What 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 happened was after the initial frustration was vented, and I tried to reply and all that. And sometimes I said, "Well, I don't know," or it was my mistake, and I'm trying to do better and all these things. But then people came in and they started discussing solutions, and there were some good ideas in there as well. And it just started shaping up into a lot more of a constructive dialogue right. rather than just uh, everybody just dumping <laughs> their emotions. And that's a and, and that's a brave leadership team because your a leadership team's instinct is let's manage this situation and actually treating the smart people you hire like grown-ups and giving them an opportunity to sort of work through that themselves and 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 get to the point that's productive and there will always be extreme views but it, that's quite a courageous view to let that sort of conversation play out. Mm, yeah, at some point it just felt like there was no other choice. It was yeah. either that or just let it leave it bottled up and it just uh, it just vents itself if you don't let it out it vents itself in a very big stinky constant sustained disgruntled blah, and which 
if you open it up, you realize that the monster isn't that big and just there are a few things we can handle. And out of these conversations, we came up with some corporate corporate strategies where we were like, okay, we, we came up with these concepts of ambassadors where we took a sort of representative slice of the company and they became company ambassadors who started suggesting policy changes such as suggesting activities and behaviors that were that did help they they they're improving the environment Olaf what was your take on that that sort of open conversation and the impact it had on the business well, I agree with Art that you know when things start to fester, you really need to let it all out. Um, you can't just let it be and not tackle it. What made it extra difficult, of course, was that we were all remote. We weren't in the office. Art mentioned isolation as well. It's super hard to do this when you're just alone in your office. You don't have the support of your colleagues. You can't go and talk to your manager face-to-face. Uh, the management team is not in one place either. So I think that made it extra difficult, um, but it also allowed for some maybe opportunities as well on how to handle it. Like the ambassador groups, uh, people could volunteer to be a part of a focus group to really understand what is it that people are, want to see it be approved. And that allows us to have these very regular meetings with the management team and with these ambassador groups. And you can just do that online. You don't have to uh, wait for an opportunity where everybody's in the same country. You can do that every week. People are spending less time commuting so they can spend more time in meetings. It's <laughs> interesting. And so do you think, do you think the, in your view, do you think the leadership will continue to be open to that dialogue once we return to a, a business as normal? Is it a permanent change? That is a very good question. I think it is a permanent change. They, uh, it will again be a challenge that you need to then transform again this time not from digital but to real world like how do you take what worked well in the digital world uh, and how do you make that work well in the real world so it's like oh that transformation is coming again <laughs> yeah, fantastic I, I would i would add to that is um this all these changes they're they're independent of covid we just covid accelerated us learning on how to work with each other better mm-hmm. and this this i am i'm confident we're going to sustain and continue in this direction yeah. covid well, or not and i think uh, i think a key part of engagement is people feeling like they've got a voice and that voice is heard they don't necessarily have to always agree with the decisions that are made as a result of it but but to feel like you do have the ability to share what frustrates you and what you dislike about the way a business works is a, is a key part of feeling part of it, I guess. Oh, one of the topics of conversation I really wanted to talk about is that you're one of a very small group of people that were recruited and onboarded virtually during the heart of the pandemic. So you've been with uh, Tempo now for sort of six, seven months. So you would have started middle of last year. So Talk us through how have you gone about em- embedding yourself into the organization? Yeah, it's just kind of just stop worrying about the fact that you've never met them. There's still a lot of people, like 90% of the company I've never physically met. Although in Montreal, we have these little moments where we would get out of these lockdowns and I could walk into the office and sometimes I'd cross paths with one or two, two of the people who were at the same time there. So I met uh, probably in total a good 10, 12 people in the company, which is a small percentage. The onboarding was, I'd say, challenging. Um, It it took me a little bit of time. It was 
literally my my uh, my schedule was 10 hours a day of video calls with various people and i'm more of a one-on-one kind of a person so it wasn't just like cutting it short by having a big group call and saying hi this is me everybody and now you know me and we're great no it was a lot of a lot of like intense video chats um for probably a good solid four week period um and, and trying to do the work at the same time when you were talking with someone that you managed, that you were new to managing, what was the structure of the conversation you typically work through? So you might have had 10 developers. You're going to have the same, more or less the same conversation 10 times. How do you approach that call? Because, again, we've got leaders that listen to the podcast that might be starting new jobs, managing virtual teams. So how do you, what's the structure of that conversation in your, in your head? Well, the structure is simple. Listen. Yeah, we're just listen. Uh, so the conversation was, "Hi, this is me, and I'm, you know, I give a quick, quick, quick background on me, where I come from. I, I admit, of course, the newness of this all and a new company and a new industry for me, relatively new. And then after that, I just start asking questions and listen. So tell me about your team. Tell me about how things go. Tell me what works. Tell me what doesn't work. Tell me how I could make your life better. Tell me what would you like to see as a change with me coming in as a new person. And just accumulating all this information. And there's a lot of common notes, no matter who you talk to. So it starts the the culture and the structure and the problems and your work starts shaping up as soon as you have these conversations. The, The secret is listen. Because I think the old, the old saying used to be, it's a new, for a new leader, spend the first three months learning what the problem is, spend three months thinking about what solutions might be, and don't start really making any change, changes until about six months after you join. Yeah, well, it's true. Although I did join right mid-change, there were quite a few changes that we were doing. We, we were adapting a little bit the company, both to the, you know, the changes in the environment of how it worked, also... We, like uh, Olaf said, or we're, we're kind of moving some, making some audacious moves, moving out of the Atlassian ecosystem where we're trying to expand our reach as a B2B SaaS company to, you know, a lot more global problems and global customers. Um, so these things need to happen. And in our industry, you cannot dilly-dally. So essentially three months to learn, three months to shape up the problem, three not change. Right? Things, these are the these are time frames that don't work in this industry. Right. Okay. So so you accelerated that slightly, but listening oh, yeah. listening is the first thing that you do when you work with someone new. First, middle, and last. Then listening is still. If you stop listening, you're you're out of touch and you're you're not relevant as a as a leader. Listening is your your team is your work really. You got to listen. One of the challenges we've got when we think about managing productivity of virtual workforces is to fall back on technology because technology can tell us all the data we need. What's your view on the limitations of technology and using technology to manage or determine whether someone's performing productively? Well, the, 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 the challenge here is what do you define as performing what do you define uh, what is the metric that you really are tracking that's the challenge because technology is a tool and as as any tool it can be used for good or for evil it could be used well or misused nowadays what we have realized especially with uh, the changes in the environment based on covid and all that, uh, we've realized what productivity means is different from what we used to instinctively meter like uh, the, the time spent on 
touching the keyboard right? and just being physically in the office and all that. And, and what is productive doesn't mean how much time you spent on something. It means how much smart time you spent. So then you go into what is the smart time definition? What, what, what like, let's say you spend 12 hours working today. What does that 12 hours really mean? 12 hours doing what? Was it 12 hours out of which six hours were useless meetings? And then what is a useless meeting? Because one thing I also learned from COVID kind of uh, running a company in COVID is while in, in a regular company, you just want to minimize the meetings. You want to minimize the time spent where just there's a group of people instead of working and having a conversation, maybe not the most focused conversation. You want to just channel things into the right track so that they can maximize the efficiency of their time. In our situation, sometimes it's actually more beneficial for our people to be less efficient in their meetings, but to have a have a have a moment where they can hang out more, they can have a conversation. So being a little bit more inefficient in a traditional sense of uh, the word creates that cultural element. It brings back that cultural element that we're missing because we are not in the offices. So essentially, I'm I'm, I'm veering all over, but uh, the secret here is. Knowing your metrics, knowing what what is the good metric versus an unnecessary metric that you're tracking, you can use technology to optimize for those metrics. And that's that's the secret. Fantastic. Well, Art and uh, Olaf, thank you very much for spending time. It's great to hear a little bit about Tempo's story and how you're going from strength to strength and, and a great story of Icelandic innovation and success. So, Thank you very much. And I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Thank you uh, for having us. Thank you for the time that you let us have here on your podcast. It's an absolute pleasure. See you soon. See Bye. You. Bye. Bye. Wasn't that a great podcast? I love hearing about stories where just someone solving a problem converts not only to a business that succeeds, but grows global. Many thanks to Olaf and Art from Tempo. And if you're interested in being a guest because you want to share your story of digital transformation, please reach out to me and we'll look forward to hearing about how you and your team are changing the world through digital transformation. Thank you for listening to another episode of Technically Speaking.